Well, good morning. Well, welcome to Life Point again. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're here for the first time sharing part of your Christmas Eve with us, thank you for being here. I'd love to meet you down front. Just come down and introduce yourself after the service. So maybe you guys who are married can relate to this, but uh, my wife is magic. Maybe your wife is too, because there can be something lost in our house or something I'm searching for. And I will look in every closet. I will look in every drawer. I will look in every possible place I think this item might be, and it's not there. And I will go to her and I will say, honey, we need to buy another one because it's lost forever. I don't know where it is. And in about two seconds, she'll walk in the place I was previously looking thoroughly, and she'll say, is this what you're looking for? And I always say, uh-uh, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. That was not there a few minutes ago. And she said, oh, yeah, it was there. But I missed it. It's really easy for us to miss the obvious, even at Christmas time. It's so easy to miss what's right in front of us. Now, I don't think anybody's going to wake up on Tuesday morning and say, what, it was Christmas? I didn't realize that. We're not going to miss Christmas that way, but we definitely can miss Christmas in a lot of other ways. And so today as I talk, I want you to Consider this question. Ask yourself, am I missing something? Because you might be. You might be missing something that's really important. Because the true story of Christmas is something we don't want to miss. You know why we don't want to miss it? Because it's true. Because it all really happened. We've been in this series at our church Uh, where we're looking at the Christmas story as told in the New Testament book of Luke. The New Testament book of Luke was written by a guy named Luke. See, you got that. You got that question right. So Luke wrote these things down about Jesus, even though he wasn't there, because he wanted us to know that what he had to say about Jesus is true. And he starts out in the New Testament book of Luke, chapter one, saying this, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus. That was an early church leader. So you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So this guy, Luke, much like us, heard about Jesus because somebody told him. And he became convinced that Jesus was actually what everybody said he was, what believers said that Jesus was. He came for the reasons that he said he came for. And someone convinced Luke of that. He believed it, and he was so serious about it. He said, this needs to be written down. And so he investigated and interviewed, and he wrote it down so people would know it's true. It's bigger than once upon a time. It's bigger than a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's Luke saying, I'm writing this stuff down because it's true. If you had been around when Jesus was just coming onto the scene, if you'd been around in the first century and you were a a follower of God, you would have known that there was this Messiah supposed to come to the earth. You would have known that 
There was going to be a Messiah that would come as king of the Jews, but not only for for the Jews, he would rescue the entire world from their sins. You would have known that. You would have known he was coming. You would have known there was going to be a Messiah. And so God came to Mary, told her first, then told Joseph, and then some of their family got to know about it. And then he started going to other people and telling them the first group he went to was a group of shepherds. And he told these shepherds on the night Jesus was born that this Messiah was coming. And in that revealing to those shepherds, these words are said in Luke chapter 2 verse 10. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. Let's read that out loud together. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. Now, I'm all people. You're all people. I have bad days. Anybody else have bad days? Days where I don't feel very joyful. You might have bad weeks or months or even years where you don't feel that joy that that angel promised by the voice of God that was for all people. And we are all people. And when we look out at our world, it's very easy to see the reasons why people struggle with having joy. Because when I read the news, when I watch the news, you know what I see? Bad stuff, scary stuff, tragic stuff. Why is it that a a news organization that's called the good news organization can't just tell us good stuff? And all the great things that are happening in the world, you got to sift through to find the great things that are happening. Instead, we prefer to stop and look at the crash and the bad stuff and let that make us worry. But the fact still remains that this joy was promised to all of us, even if we're not feeling it, even if we're not seeing it, it was still promised to us. So if we don't have it, you know what that means? It's one of two things. First thing it could mean is, well, it's just not true. What God said through the angel that night to the shepherds when he said, I'm going to bring good news that'll be great joy to all people, it was just a lie. It's not true. So when I look out at the world and I don't see joy and I don't feel joy, then my conclusion might be, it's not true. But there's another option. The other option could be, maybe I missed it. Maybe I've arranged my life in such a way and things are going on in my life in such a way and my view of the world is such that I have just missed the joy that's been available for my taking anytime I want to receive it. Is it possible to go through a whole Christmas season and miss the joy of Christmas? Yes. Is it possible to go through life and miss the joy that God has for each of us? Yes, it is. If you just look at the the events surrounding Jesus and his birth, the world has always been a chaotic place. The world has always been a place that will suck the joy out of you. Even the night Jesus was born, there were so many circumstances going on that could take the joy out of a baby being born. A baby being born that the mother and father at least had the knowledge This baby is born of the Holy Spirit. This baby is going to be the savior of the world. So what was going on in Joseph and Mary's life that was so chaotic? Well, when she was late in her pregnancy, eighth or ninth month, 
they had to go back to his hometown to register for the census. Now, if you've ever been around anybody that's pregnant or you're pregnant, like traveling when it's big and traveling when things are like at the end is probably not the most comfortable thing ever. And they would have either walked or she could have ridden a donkey like you see in pictures. But either way, that's an uncomfortable way to travel. And so here's what happened. While they're on their way to Bethlehem to register for the census. In Luke chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. I mean, what circumstances would have been going on that prevented them from having a suitable space for the baby to be born? Well, just imagine everybody in the region was told, go back to where, you're, where you grew up, go back to where you were born. Can you imagine the chaos? Just imagine right now if somehow our government said, okay, the way we're going to do the census this time, you have to appear in person in the courthouse in the county where you were born. And if you're married, chances are you're married to somebody that wasn't born in the same county. And if you're like most people, maybe you've moved around a little bit and you've, had, you've got three kids, but they were born in three different states because you moved. And so now there's five of you in five different locations that you've got to go up here in person to be counted. Can you imagine the chaos that that would have caused, not just in their life, but in everybody's life? So why was it that they couldn't find a suitable place? Because the whole region was in chaos. Because the governor had said, I want everybody to go back to where they were born so we can get an account. Everybody. And so very much like our Christmas season, that Christmas season was chaotic. Like ours starts kind of like halfway through the day on Thanksgiving when people realize, hey, the stores are open. And then it starts. And it stays busy. Like through the night, like 24-7, it doesn't stop. It just gets busier and busier and busier. Even right now, you gave this hour to be here, but you're thinking, well, I can get a few more hours in. I mean, things probably don't wrap up till around five o'clock. I mean, you, you have to rest tomorrow. And so we tend to live this season full of chaos. So much so that if you've seen the news story from a few years ago where a guy actually had a heart attack, died in the floor at Target, and people stepped over him and around him to get to the, I don't know, whatever it was, the $199, 55-inch TV or whatever it was. They went around this guy because they had, in their mind, so many more important things. And when I watched that video, it was at a Target in West Virginia, and when I read the name of the guy, he was the pharmacist in the little town where I grew up. And you can get online and see that it happened four or five years ago, but people were so busy that they just didn't stop. That's a similar environment to Mary and Joseph in this time. Things are busy, things are stressful, things are chaotic. And then they enter into a delivery room. Now, you dads, if you went into the delivery room, it's a different experience for moms and dads when you're in the delivery room. And I know moms are like, you're darn right, it's a different experience. I'll tell you right now, it's a different experience. Well, when our youngest was born, there was only one of us had to have an oxygen mask, and that was not my wife or the baby. 
That was me. It got chaotic really fast. It turned into an emergency. Everyone's fine. But I was sitting there and I start doing this. And the nurse like, hey, dad, you need an oxygen mask? And I was like, you know, I, th- I think I probably do. And, and so they gave me the oxygen. The nurse takes my camera, and I wish I would have put it on the screen today, takes my camera out of my hand, and she starts snapping pictures of me sitting there, like, <laughs> barely sitting up. It, it can become a chaotic time very quickly. And so Mary and Joseph are in this place that's less than suitable to have the baby. For the great joy to show up, it was in less than ideal circumstances, less than an ideal environment. But that night, the great joy that was promised showed up anyway. And since then, human beings have been divided into two groups. Those who claim that joy that God promised them and those who don't. And so you're probably dealing with some of the things I'm going to share that we're going to call joy stealers. This will give you some conversation pieces for the way to grandma's house this afternoon or wherever you're traveling to. Something to talk about in the car to see if you're dealing with these things that steal joy from our lives. And the first one is what I've been talking about. Joy stealer number one is busyness. Because busyness robs me of the joy that Jesus offers. You know why your life is busy? I know why it's busy. If you're taking notes, you're going to write this down. It's a simple statement. You can probably memorize it. This is like probably the deepest intellectual thing you'll get today. This is why your life is busy. Look at this. I am busy because I have a lot to do. Let's read that out loud together. I am busy because I have a lot to do. Look at the person next to you and say, I am busy because I have a lot to do. That's why we're busy, because we have a lot to do. Now, sometimes you have a lot to do because you make a lot of commitments, and you try to do a lot, and there are reasons that you're just packing your life more and more and more full, and it's your fault that you're busy. Sometimes it's not your fault you're busy. It's because of the people around you. It's because of your boss that might be unreasonable. It's because you chose to work retail. God bless you. They're probably not even here today if you're working retail. (laughs) But sometimes busyness is something we put on ourselves and sometimes other people put it on us. I mean, how many conversations, you're going to think I've been in your house, bugged your house, or been reading your email, but how many conversations have started lately around your house with this? After Christmas, we're going to, and just fill in the blank. After Christmas, we are going to spend less money. Let it be known and in this household. After Christmas, less money. After Christmas, we're cleaning that up. And we're organizing this and cleaning that out. After Christmas, we're going to get some things in order. Because we're so busy right now, we can't even think about it. But after Christmas, you better look out because the law is going to be laid down in this house. How many of us have had conversations like that, maybe even on the way here today? Whether you're busy because of your choice or because someone is putting that on you, the results are still the same. The consequences are still the same. And I'm not sharing these in order to make you feel guilty. I'm sharing them so we can get past it and no longer allow busyness to steal the joy from our life. Now, sometimes busyness is just a season. You're in school, you're in college, like you can't go to a professor and go, you know what, you're just putting too much on me. You just need to back off on the busyness. You can't go to your boss 
probably not. It depends on what kind of boss you have and say, I'm just too busy. I'm going to take a few days off. You can't look at your little children when you're at home with them all day and say, you know, kids, kind of handle it for yourself today. I'm feeling a little too busy. So you can't do that. So sometimes you just have to make do. Mary and Joseph, I doubt she said, I want my child to be born where animals stay. And I want to put my child in a manger, which is a feeding trough. That's what I want to do. She probably didn't desire that, but it was thrust upon her. And so she just had to make do. So sometimes busyness is in our lives in such a way that it's this temporary moment that we just have to say, all right, I'm going to make do. But other times you have a choice. And if you don't keep busyness in check, here's what happens. Over time, busyness will build walls in relationships. Because there's only so many times you can say, hey, buddy, dad can't make it this time. Mommy's going to miss again. Hey, honey, you're going to have to go through that by yourself. You're going to have to take them alone because I'm really busy. Left unchecked, busyness will build walls in the relationships around us. Busyness will also lead to a lot of regret because there are some things in life that once they happen, you can't go back. When your kids are driving away to college, you can't say, hey, I want to rearrange things so we can spend more time together. In fact, as they get older, they think it's weirder and weirder that you want to spend a lot of time with them. So you better arrange it while they're younger when they enjoy it and they don't know any better. They don't know how uncool you are yet. <laughs> but you can't, you can't redo that. Once that's gone, that's gone. And I'm not saying that to bring out guilt. I'm saying that to convict us so we say, okay, I'm no longer... I'm no longer going to let the busyness in life have me look back at my life and say, I regret not spending more time with that. Busyness can cause relationships to grow cold, sometimes where they're not repairable. You know, Jesus came to earth exactly when God wanted him to. That census was declared exactly when God wanted it to be. Mary had Jesus in less than ideal circumstances because that's what God wanted to happen. And I believe, as the team of us put this day together for you, that you're here because God wanted you to be here. Whether you're traveling and you're here with family, or whether this is the one or two times a year you say, I'm going to give it an hour, you're here because God wants you to be here. And I want to encourage you, don't miss the joy that's available to you, whether this is what you do every week or what you do every now and then. There's joy available to you that you might be missing out on because of your busyness. So ask yourself, is it possible I'm missing out on this great joy that's promised because I'm too busy? Another thing that steals our joy is fear. Fear is one of the biggest joy stealers out there. When Jesus showed up on earth, it, it put fear in the hearts of a lot of people, especially leaders especially religious leaders and political leaders, because they knew that this king was going to be born. They weren't really sure what the word king meant, but they were, weren't really sure what God meant by that. But king to them, they were thinking, well, he wants to take what I've got. And so I'm really concerned about Jesus showing up because I don't want to lose my power. And so one of the kings that was in power as Jesus came onto the scene was King Herod, and he was a really mean guy. He killed little kids. 
He killed people in his family, all so he could hold on to his power. And when he heard that King Jesus was showing up, here's what happened. It's in Matthew chapter 2. You can read about it. It says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. So how could this powerful, intelligent, educated king miss that joy was here for him and move straight to fear? Because he didn't want to lose power. And that's perhaps the greatest barrier that I've watched people deal with when they're contemplating on saying yes to Jesus or not, is they don't want to give up control. They don't want to lose control. There's no room for another leader in my life because I'm the leader of my life. And if I accept Jesus and say yes to him, it means he's now the leader in my life. And just like in the days of Jesus, people were afraid of losing control. Maybe you're afraid of losing control if you say yes to Jesus. That's one of the things that kept me from Jesus for 21 years. Because I had the way I wanted to live my life, and I wanted it to go. And I felt like, oh, if I say yes to him, I'm not going to be able to go that direction. I still struggle with that, trying to control things on my own rather than saying, you know, Jesus, you're a lot better at this than I am. I'm going to let you control things. And I think it's a constant war that we have as humans is giving over control of our lives to something outside of us. And so we live in fear. And that steals our joy. The other joy stealer is kind of related to fear. It's the joy stealer of indifference. So when Jesus came on the scene, the religious leaders, they were either fearful or they were indifferent. They would have had all the facts and either it scared them or they just didn't care. Jesus didn't fit what they thought he should fit, so they were just indifferent about it. It didn't rock the world one way or the other. They just kind of said, okay, well, he's here, and they just went on about their life. And when indifference seeps into my life, here's what it allows me to do. It allows me to come here and experience times like this, maybe moved in the hour that I'm here, but it never motivates me to take another step. Maybe moved by what I see and what I sing and what I experience, but it never moves me enough to do something beyond right here and take that step. It never moves me enough to see, to do what you're going to see someone do later is follow Christ in baptism. It never moves me enough to get off of my seat of indifference and say, you know what? I've been in the middle too long and I'm going to live my faith in such a way that Jesus is a daily part of my life. I'm going to live that in front of my kids. I'm going to live that in front of my friends. No longer will indifference steal the joy that God has for me and I refuse to live in it anymore. And when indifference leaves our life, It starts to make room for joy because indifference numbs us to the story of Jesus. So back to my original question, am I missing something? Is there something I'm missing when it comes to this story of Christmas? What would it look like if, if you traded busyness for belief in Jesus? What would it look like if you traded fear for faith in Jesus as your king? What would it look like if you traded indifference for intentionally letting Jesus into your life? You know what it would look like? It would look like you claiming the joy that he promised. It would look like you claiming the joy when the angel said, this is great news. 
that will bring great joy to who? All people. That's what it would look like if you started saying, fear will no longer steal the joy out of my life. Busyness will no longer steal the joy out of my life. And indifference can go because I want to experience the joy that's been promised to me. We all struggle with that. It's not just a, hey, I don't struggle with it anymore. It's a daily struggle to make sure that joy is beating out those things in your life. And if you let them move too high in your life, they'll steal the joy 100% of the time and you won't be living what God has made available for every person. Let's pray. God, as we consider the joy that you give us, as we consider that joy that's promised to every one of us, Father, may you, may you convict us of the steps we need to take, the things we need to stop in our life or start in our life. And God, may the busyness and the fear and the indifference never win out. May the joy that you promise us always motivate us to put those things behind us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. achievements, promotions, new projects, make it to the top of the ladder, and I bet happiness sits there, but just hasn't arrived yet. Looking forward to that day that's coming, but for now, it's put my head down and work on a hunter. This is a long race, and I'm a marathon runner, so I'm going to try to sprint now and get ahead of the others, but my wife keeps saying the kids need me at home, that she loves me, but she's feeling alone. I keep saying, let me live in my zone. I'm trying to create for us a happier home. And I haven't really talked to God for a minute. You just got to understand that I'm winning. I'll make time when I get to the finish. Faith and relationships can hold on for a minute. Today the Son of God is born. Emmanuel, God with us. Today the Son of God is born, Emmanuel, God with us. I don't like losing grip of control. My life is mine and I want to keep holding. If I mess it up, at least I'll know that it was, well, a work of my own. My money, you can give me that. Relationships, sex, life, I'm the god of that. I won't give up a hold of my career path. I'm the motor, the gears, the gas, and the drive shaft. I am scared of when the curtains do close. The coming day when I lose all control. What's after death, there's no way to know. It's still one mystery that's left to behold. But they say that there's some god who's near. Lives in people, helps to deal with the fears. Wants to be captain of the ship and then steers. I don't think I can follow a path that ain't clear. Today the Son of God is born. Emmanuel, God with us. Today the Son of God is born. Emmanuel, God with us. 
See, my mama was a Christian, so I am too. Inherited religion like genes in our pool. The dyes released and permeates through and through. The traits of a faith gotta be in me too. If I'm honest, I know it really ain't that potent. Been in church my whole life, never devoted. They say relationship as well. What's I hoping? But don't I get to heaven if the sinner's prayer I've quoted? Isn't this just another Christmas Eve? Another service where I come, sing and see, mark it off my checklist, come and leave. And know that second of the message encouraged me. And I'll forget the next day what I learned in service. Focus on those bad gifts, I'll be returning. Feel better after another Sunday service. But mama keeps saying it ain't God I worship. Today the Son of God is born, Emmanuel, God with us. Today the Son of God is born, Emmanuel, God with us. They say Emmanuel is here now. Holy Spirit on them from the crown down, anointed to bring good news to the poor, set the captives free and break down Hades doors. So open up your eyes and then see the revelation of this one true king from eastern manger to a Roman tree, destined to die a death that'll save you and me. through the angel, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Let's read that out loud together. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. You want that joy? Because it's available to you. If you've been too busy, too full of fear, living with indifference, you need to know that joy. If you've dealt with the struggles that you just heard Trevor Express, there's joy available to you. There's something greater available to you. If you came here busy, you can leave with the resolve to change it. If you came here full of fear, here's what you need to know. Jesus can lead your life a lot better than you can lead it. And you can leave here with him leading your life. And if you came here indifferent, you can leave convinced, convicted, with the knowledge that he came to set you free from whatever it is that's been capturing your heart. See, joy that, that's offered to us is very different from the kind of joy that the world speaks about. Joy that's offered to us is independent of whatever my circumstances are. So that means no matter what's going on in my life, I can still have joy. We all probably can think of somebody that's been through a tragic time or loss or health issues, or some other kind of relationship devastation, or lost jobs, or gone bankrupt, and somehow we could all name somebody that in, in spite of all the bad stuff that was happening to them from the outside, there was something on the inside that was still bright. There was something on the inside that still kept them going. There was something on the inside that said, whatever's going on outside of me, it won't defeat me because I have a joy inside of me that's placed there by God himself. Now, that's easy to forget because I forget that. 
things get stressful, things get tough. I start to forget that. And so this morning, we're going to share a special time together. Those of us who follow Christ do this every time we gather here to worship and experience God together. We share a time of communion. And you know what that time is for? It's for us to remember. Why do we need to remember? Because it's so easy to forget. We need to remember what Christ has done for us. Today, we're going to be remembering the joy that he promises each of us because I bet some of you have forgotten about that. I bet you've missed it. And so as the band plays this next song, go ahead and reach over to your left. There'll be a bucket and just pass that across the aisle. And as it comes down, take one of those cups out. And anytime during this next song you want to, read the words on the screen but pull back that first layer and take the bread, pull back that second layer and drink the juice and do what we need to do on a regular basis. And that is remember. Remember what he promises us in spite of our busyness, in spite of our fears, in spite of our indifference. He still wants to move you in such a way that you take a step. And for you, taking that step will just be sharing in communion together and saying, God, I remember. I remember the day when I felt that joy and I want it back. For some of you, it's going to be praying right there and saying, God, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive the joy through Jesus Christ that I've never had before. If you're doing that, please walk to those back doors and there'll be somebody there to talk to you. And if that happens while everybody's sitting down and you're not comfortable walking to the back doors, the next song we're going to stand up and you can walk back there then. You can also follow Christ in baptism today. Because what baptism is saying is, I surrender. I'm done with being busy. I'm done with being afraid. I am done with being indifferent. I'm going to let the world know that I am a follower of Jesus and I claim that joy that he gave me. You can do that today. We've got everything ready for you to be baptized and still leave here with dry clothes. So as we go through these next couple of songs and you see people following Christ in baptism, just go to the back and you can do that too. And whatever new start you need to make and whatever you need to remember that God has given you, remember it as we share in these next few moments together.